You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning. Welcome everyone in Perth. This is Trent Fleskins, your host of the Perth Property Show, where every week we get Perth's big property experts in to share their knowledge and their insider secrets. If you've got any questions, you can pop over to the website at perthpropertyshow.com.au or check out the Facebook page. Today's a really passionate one for me. We are talking how to pick a property spruker and to help us out with this conversation, we have Aaron D. Camillo in from Surrey Road Finance. Aaron, thanks for joining the chat. Pleasure, Trent. I can see you're fired up already, mate. I'm very fired up because <laughs> in Western Australia, unfortunately, we have this vacuum of good quality information. Unfortunately, until things like this show came on board and, and a few other uh, seminars from good local people that may not reach as many people as they'd like, the number one access of information for us West Australians has been property spruikers from the wrong type of background. Correct. Let's talk about how to identify these people and make sure that we're not getting sold down the river by these cowboys. Without uh, without naming anybody or landing anyone in hot water, I think. Is exactly, the way exactly. Yeah. There's going to be no slander or libel here. No one's going to be able to say you identified me, I hope. Yeah. But I want to talk about how we can make sure as sure. West Australians we're protecting ourselves from the people that come in, pull the money out, and you never see them again. Yeah, the Lionel right. Hutz of property in Australia. Yeah. yeah. So for me, I think the first point is they're not from Western Australia. Yeah, big issue. As recently in the last couple of weeks, we've seen a couple of clients come to us who've bought apartments off the plan in Melbourne mm. uh, who were flown to Melbourne by the agents selling the properties, mm. put up for a weekend uh, on the house and then schmoozed into buying what they were led to believe was a really good investment. So mm. uh, that's pretty hardcore sales. Uh, you're flying people over to a different city. That's Well, you have to ask yourself, if these guys have to spend all that money coming over here to find clients, are they actually selling products you know, if the people in Melbourne don't think it's a good idea, yeah, I mean, I, there's nothing wrong with a, with an agent selling a property. It is what it is. But when they're spruiking it as a as a great investment opportunity, yeah. that's where the lines are blurred and it's not quite right. Yeah, with the packages, correct. Yeah, it becomes the an VIP experience process. rather than an investment. That's right. And I think another one, we've both been to the Wednesday night workshops at the Novotel, haven't we? You yep. know, we've both we've been to these workshops where maybe it's a free ticket, but there's a VIP package for two hundred dollars, and you get a free T-shirt or front row seats or access to some document that you may never need to use. And what does it always finish with? They 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 tell you they're a really cool story. Yes, they seem they probably did make a lot of money at some point, but a lot of people have. Yep. And it always finishes with what? The big hard sell. The big sell. Yep. And that hard sell always ends up with, what, a $5,000 package to Queensland or Sydney to learn the real stuff. If you want to really learn from the experts, just sign up for $5,000 and join the crew. You can learn options. You can learn renovating. You can learn how to flip properties. Yeah. All these things that in a lot of ways, especially on the options side doesn't apply to us Australians. No. And, uh, you know, we saw a couple of years ago in particular with the level of house and land packages being sold in northwest Queensland or, mm. or trying to be sold to West Australians mm. uh, in northwest Queensland. And now we're seeing people come through and they're in massive negative equity positions. They can't rent their things out because they're not in desirable They areas. can't sell them. They can't sell them. So they're stuck with this asset that's burning cash for them and they're, they've gone backwards a long way. So I guess the point of us having discussions like this is to get in front of those people before they make those decisions uh, and at least... Uh, have the opportunity to talk them through some sense or some planning before. 100%. And the only reason people, uh, people aren't idiots, right? Uh, people are very informed these days. But the fact is, if there's no other options and the only people giving some level of information in Western Australia are the spruikers that come from Queensland and New South Wales and Melbourne, sell, you know, demonstrating nice photos, good numbers, 
if there's no one else to trust, a lot of people will give them a crack. Yeah. Unf- uh, unfortunately, it, gives, it, it, it very rarely works out for them. Yeah. Uh, they get caught up in the romance, but I think this is where people could employ it, uh, or a healthy paranoia, mm. uh, and they need to really do their research when they're dealing with someone. What's in it for the person that's selling it to them? Yeah. Uh, you really want to work out how they're getting paid, what their actual intentions are, and get a bit of a picture of what the grand scheme is all about, rather than just you sitting there and getting coerced into signing something. Straight away, let's talk some red flags. Yep. If Maybe we've been to a seminar, and it all seems pretty exciting. It's pretty legit. There are people signing up at the back of the room what are some things that we should go oh Aaron and Trent just mentioned that a couple of weeks ago as if this happens bad idea what are some things that we can straight away red flag as to uh, this is is a spruker it's a broad question it's a broad question I guess if there's a lack of transparency about the whole operation Mm -hmm. um, that's one thing you'd want to see you want to get some idea of if the investment is being sold as a really good investment opportunity but they know nothing about your personal circumstance then that's a massive red flag for me because investing in property has to be suitable for the individual on a case by case basis if they're essentially if they've got a solution without actually asking you what yeah. your goals are. That's a big red flag. They're for selling. Me. That's, All that's they the are is one. resellers. They're that's a marketing right. brand. And if they're selling it as, a, as an owner-occupied property and you want to live there, that's fine. That, there's no problem with that. If But if they're selling it as a really good investment opportunity and mm. they don't know anything about you... And you've never been there. That's a big red flag. Yeah. yeah. How about you look at the website on Facebook and they've got the photos with the motivational speakers around the world as if they're some sort of celebrity. Yeah, not my favorite, personal favorite thing in the world, the motivational speakers and the guitar solos and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, there's some people, perfectly legitimate advisors who do like that sort of thing. So yeah. we, we shouldn't tar them all with the same brush. But um, but let's be honest, right? You know, the big motivational speakers, they go around the world. A part of their package that you know, these brokers will pay for is to get a photo yeah. with ex you know head honcho it doesn't mean they have any association with each other it doesn't mean they're friends they literally lined up behind 200 other people that paid for their package had a quick photo and then moved on and suddenly that is now a credibility credibility exactly right that is that is their social proof that they know stuff yeah thin very Uh, thin yeah we spoke about it before vip packages if they've got a free seminar but then you can pay an extra $200 for the VIP package. Well, the information was supposed to be free at the start. So what are you getting for that VIP package? Yeah, if it's just a front row seat and a chat with the person at the end, well, that wasn't something that you'd be paying for in the first place. Yeah, that's right. And I think you can tell very quickly if you're going to a seminar, the quality of the information there. Mm. If it's good quality information about areas or, data. or, or st- strategies, for example, yeah, data, information, then that's it's reasonable to assume that they're, they're heading in the right direction. If it's very, very uh, bent towards selling you something on the night, then uh, you'd have to really think about the intentions. Anecdotal, if it's just 45 minutes of listening to this lady's story and how she yeah. made money... That's nice. Yep. Doesn't mean it can apply to anyone in the room. Correct. Yeah. And we shouldn't have to pay $5,000 to find out. <laughs> so whilst it's easy enough to use those pieces of information to identify a spruker next time that we see it on Facebook, free tickets. Well, the next question will then be, all right, Trent and Aaron, if we're not supposed to listen to these guys, who should we listen to in Western Australia? We're going to these places for a reason because we can't find the right people. Uh, you mean apart from the people we've had on the podcast series already? Well, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. So that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. And I can say it straight up, at least my opinion, the people everyone should be speaking to are the experts on the Perth Property Show. Yep. You know, they clearly know their stuff and they're here giving in their time uh, because they're passionate about property. So that's a start. Yep. I, th- I think also the advisors, you'll see in the in the property industry, there's some advisors who will 
uh, sit down and go through uh, a basic information gathering session first mm-hmm. and then put some basic strategies in place and then tell you, right, for me to execute this plan for you, I'll charge you, you know, maybe a buyer's agent fee to acquire a property yep. uh, or it might be a planning fee or something like that. But they're very clear about how they're getting paid, what value is in it for you yep. and what outcomes you can expect. There's a free sit down of a fact find and then after that, there is a full quote of what we can do, Correct. why are we going to do it, not just because we can yep. and this is what it's going to cost. Take it or leave it. Yeah. I'm a big fan of that fee-for-service, not commission-based, really. Fee-for-service, especially on the buying side, on the investing side. Yep. On If you ever find a buyer's agent, in my opinion, who's charging a commission, there's red flags again, in my opinion, because yeah. a commission is obviously linked to the price of the property. If they're paying a percentage split, then yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right? So you'd have to be worried about that. I think the organizations that do it well, uh, and the one that I used to work for, for example, yeah. charge a flat fee up front for the particular type of property that you're yeah. acquiring. So I think that's pretty fair. Exactly right. The real talent in the industry on the buying side, they know their worth. Yep. They know, uh, and, and it's a bit of a take it or leave it. You don't think that that price is worth the value, and that's your choice. But anyone out there charging a commission, it's counterintuitive. Whilst it makes sense for a selling agent to charge commission because they're incentivized to get the highest price, yep. if a buyer's agent's getting paid by commission, there's always going to be the question, well, why did you put us into the $700,000 house when really we could have just got the $400,000 house yeah. and taken on less risk? Yeah. And and how well are they going to outline a really good strategy for you if they're linked to how expensive the property is? So, exactly. Yeah. So fee-for-service people in Western Australia, local people. At the end of the day, there are property experts around the country, aren't there? That know their stuff. Yep. Doesn't mean that they're experts around the whole country. For example, myself, you know, I can put my hand on my heart and say, I would consider myself an expert. Should I ever be buying property for people in Queensland? No. I haven't got a clue what, what which suburbs are in Queensland and which ones are good and bad. And that's why I should never be hired as an expert to buy there. 100%. 100%. And in uh, in a past life, as you know, we would use our experts on the ground here to acquire property in Perth. Mm. But then we would engage uh, our buyer's agents uh, that worked for external companies in, in Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane to acquire properties for our people who wanted to buy over there. Mm. We wouldn't chance our arm just because we're experts over here. Yeah. We would get an expert on the ground to execute that acquisition for us. Exactly right. So local expert, local expertise and Correct. talent and local knowledge. Yep. It's all about understanding the demographic factors and not just the data points because Future earnings are never represented by past experience. And finally, if you're not looking to have a chat, you're not really ready yet to talk to experts, there are still some data points there that you can take on. I I love, for example, Heron Todd White's uh, monthly report. Yep. It's really comprehensive. It's national and it also has its own point on Western Australia. Aaron, that's been a fantastic chat. Thanks for your time. We'll have you in again soon. Pleasure. Thanks for having us, Trent. Okay, now we're going to move on to our suburb spotlight, like always. And we have got South Perth's number one agent, Steve Lally, in the room today. Steve, thanks for popping in. And, and I really appreciate your time coming in and chatting about one of Perth's oldest suburbs. It's over 100 years old. Give us a bit of a rundown as to our foreshore suburb. As people know, everyone knows where South Perth is. So it's on the Sir James Mitchell Park down there. We've got the zoo and a lot of other attractions. But it's a lovely location, uh, very close to the city and the river and uh, just a wonderful place to live. And I'm lucky enough to live there myself. Well, I think it's fantastic. I'm going down there every week or so for a walk down on the foreshore. Bit of construction happening down at the old jetty there on Men's Street. What's going on there? Beautification and and, uh, totally revamping it all down there. There's uh, a development opposite Coco's there that's just been basically almost completed now. And there's a new shopping centre that's um, been put in Men's Street. Yeah, there's a lot going on. The council is spending a lot of money down there because it's really... 
the centerpiece of South Perth down there. Yeah, 100%, and it really should be. It seems like they're cutting out a whole lot of parking areas, unfortunately <laughs> for me, because I love to drive. But they're putting in more of a walkable entertainment space that, for me, sort of reminds me, when I look at the photos, of what they've done at the Scarborough for sure. There's still a fair bit of parking under there. There's a lot of car parks under Coco's, but they're trying to get everyone to sort of walk, or, walk around, ride bikes, and it's perfect for the area, really. Steve, I know this from my uh, general general studies that South Perth was was first created as a municipality back in 1902. That's just a weird stat I've got in my head. But as a bit of an understanding of where South Perth has gone, come from in time, uh, it didn't always have apartments on that for sure and big luxury homes, did it? No, actually many years ago there was a Chinese market garden down there where James Mitchell Park is, I believe. And so it has obviously evolved over the years. It's, there's a lot more apartments and multi-storey properties down there, but that's always going to happen when a location like that, I suspect. Yeah. Well, if you go for a walk around down underneath the freeway, you can see the old mill, the old windmill. And, and we all now understand why it's called Mill Street, the Mill Street exit. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that for me, as I, when I was reading the uh, signage there, it was the first successful grain mill in Perth and it stayed around uh, to today being a nice little piece of history. Yeah, they still, we've got the zoo, but that's another um, iconic landmark there. And it's good that they've looked after it and they've um, looked after the wetlands around there as well. So it is, they get a fair few tourists there, not as many as a zoo, of course, but it's sort of a hidden away up there. The peninsula in South Perth, not many people get up there. Obviously, getting into South Perth you, um, from the freeway south, you come off there, but it's a little hidden gem up there, to be honest. Yeah. So let's move forward to today. Let's look at a, give us a few statistics, Steve. What does the area look like uh, these days? Obviously, a lot of different options in terms of housing. Do you have some stats for us? Yeah, well, there's, uh, well, there's 12,000 residents. The average is 39, so it's a little bit older than the, the norm, which is 36 for Perth. So, But we have a big range of ages through the suburb, and it's very similar with the properties as well. There's 65% of strata in South Perth, which surprised a lot of people. 35% obviously housing, but villas and townhouses make up about 40%, and apartments 25%. But going forward, obviously... With all the redevelopments that are happening, uh, apartments, obviously, the percentage will come up, especially down in that Mill Point area. I think that makes sense that the, the average age is slightly higher than average because the price to get in is more than slightly higher than average. Let's be realistic. It's not, uh, unless you're getting a small flat, it's probably not a first home buyer's suburb. We do get a few first home buyers, but you're right, most of them, they're all looking under 500 generally and um, they can get a one by one, but you can get two by twos really cheap. And the apartments prices have been smashed the last three years, so pretty affordable now for an apartment. And um, do they buy an apartment in a great location or do they go to the suburbs? That's um, really a lifestyle choice, I suppose. Yeah, I think you're right. With smarter and more efficient and uh, culture-based development going on with the zoning, especially being more specific these days. In the city of South Perth as well, it's very patchy in terms of where you can develop and what's left. There's not much left, and we'll talk about that. Correct. But I think what, you, what you're providing there is making sure if we're going to be putting apartments up or we're going to have townhouses, it's in an area where people can actually enjoy the lifestyle and walk to the river or walk to the, to the facilities, right? Yeah, correct. Well, uh, well, that new shopping centre down, there's two main areas really in South Perth that people would, really should focus on. There's down Men Street where you've got the um, 
well, the, the shopping centre and all the cafe strip and the ferry runs from there. Um, but most of the properties down there are obviously apartments, very few townhouses, next to no houses down there. But the other very interesting place is Angelo Street in South Perth. That's near Wesley College. There's a lot of housing around there and you can get a lot of villas and townhouses around there. So anywhere from around if walking distance to you got Coles and Angelo Street, they got a beautiful cafe strip down there, and like I say, Wesley. It's more that, of a family pocket, isn't it? It, it, it is, um, but there is a lot of strata through there, but and they're not so much apartments. They're more villas and townhouses, but I think villas are something that investors, maybe first-home buyers, should focus on. With the ageing population, the villas are be, becoming tightly held and more people are trying to get them, and I think they'll be a cheaper option that we really sought after. For the downsizers especially, right? There's a lot of those older homes that, you know, people want to stay where they where they know and they enjoy South Perth. With a villa, um, you can rent and sell them to any age. So you've really got from 20 to 100 effectively because yeah. a lot of them stay in there till in the 90s. So yeah. like you say, if you can get one close to... Coles and that little uh, Angelo strip, that's uh, a wonderful investment, I believe. All right, let's move on to that next uh, part of the segment. We talk about price points. Now, we don't need every single house that's uh, going for sale at the moment in South Perth, but let's yep. talk about in terms of those buckets of your cheapest one by one, and then maybe a couple of options on the two by two, a family home, a development home, and then the most expensive property you've seen in South Perth on the market recently. What are we paying for these things? Obviously, it's more than the median house price. We're ready for that. I'm prepared for that hit. <laughs> uh, but what's going on right now? Well, they range from really 200000 to 15 mil, really. Yeah. So I've just sold a couple of one-by-ones, one-bedroom, one-bathroom apartments. They used to sell for in the low threes. Now they're two twenty, two twenty-five. No view, um, just an older flat. No, a bit of an outlook. One had a bit of an outlook, but older, older complex for sure. And you get your new one by ones. They probably start around the four hundred mark. You've just got everything in between, really. Uh, normal housing in in South Perth, with the housing when you're close to that good location around Wesley and the Angelo Street shops. You get properties starting really from around the 1 to 1.2 right up to 3 mil, 4 mil. And that depends on how big these houses have been built. And, and block sizes. But there is another part in South Perth that's interesting. We call it the avenues. There's Arlington Ave, uh, Bankshire Terrace, Rosebury Ave, uh, Brandon Street. That's up on the hill towards Kensington Way there, a little bit towards Vic Park. It's still a beautiful location, but it is a cheaper area compared to... Angelo Street and you can get some really good houses on on small like 400 square meter blocks and they start around the low eights yeah so I think that's pretty good value for South Perth especially maybe for that family who have saved up a little, enough and looking to get into a home with a little bit of land and be in South Perth that's that's a realistic option for people it is we get a lot of people from Vic Park and Kensington that are trading up that want to move to South Perth and it's a great option for them they might be selling for six to seven hundred over in those areas and then they move up to eight, nine hundred, considering the our medium house price one point one three, and you can get a reasonable house, three by two house for eight fifty. It's pretty good, really. I didn't prep you for this question, Steve, mm. but rental vacancies—they've been dropping extremely low in Perth as a median. Yep. Has South Perth been within on the same trend? Yes, it has, right across the board. Um, the rents are doing uh, very well. 
uh, we got a lot of rentals and the vacancy rate has been dropping. The, the prices have started to edge up a little bit, especially the cheaper end, the one by one, two by ones are starting to get pretty good money. But yeah, across the board, it has um, improved. People are slowly starting to realise that the market dynamic on the rental side has changed. And once that permeates through the market on the landlord side, the landlords start asking a few more questions of their property managers to do a bit more work and get the price a bit higher. We're just trying to put them up 10 or $20 a week, just wherever we can. Uh, try to keep the tenants. always important to keep your tenant in place, especially if you have a good tenant. But I, I think it's a positive for the market. I just think it's the start of the new cycle. Um, could be a bit early to call that, but we've, last year we had a few false alarms. It looked like the market was starting to really... Uh, surge forward with sales would have a couple of really good months but then it would go pretty quiet for a couple of months and sort of started off about uh, a little bit that way this year so um, there have been a number of false starts in the in the Perth economy as a whole and we're just waiting for that continued uh, sustained confidence to come through I'd like to think that once this election's over and we understand where we sit on a fiscal side of things, people will start reassessing uh, their options and, and making decisions. Right now, I think it's just too much of people sitting back and waiting, waiting, waiting. And what you're going to see in South Perth, a lot of smart money there. A lot of people who have worked hard their whole life, they've got good advisors on the tax, accounting, law side, and they're just waiting for that opportunity as well. So I think I think you're right, Steve. We've had, we've had a couple of false starts and South Perth will be one of the first suburbs, in my opinion, to see that sustained growth because, as you said, we've had a big drop in those luxury side homes as well. You're right. We need to have six months. But I think once it starts, everyone will know about it because then it's like a little snowball that rolls down the hill. Once Perth gets a roll on, it'll get a roll on. But We need everything to line up for that. Well, with that role obviously comes opportunistic and ambitious investors. And those people uh, often, and in South Perth's case, uh, you've seen a lot of it, developing. They're providing new options, varied options in property. Obviously, we always had the quarter acres uh, throughout South Perth and most of them are gone now. But there's still some opportunity in South Perth for the, the developer. Is there much going for the mum and dad investor to maybe knock something down and cut something up into two or three? Or is it all just there for the big institutional guys putting 100 apartments up? They rarely come up. There's been a couple of sites lately that people have chopped up into four four sites and they've just sold the blocks off. So you can still make money, but there's not much money in it because there's always a bit of competition for that type of property. Como, there's a, a lot more really that come up but the South Perth and Como both areas are good usually Como it's usually advisable to be on Riverside of Canning Highway not so much the other side but if you get a cheap enough block um, there's certainly potential there but you're right with South Perth there is a bit of a mixture so just rarely come up that's the hard part it's a very tightly held suburb yeah it is. whenever I'm looking there uh, for my own purposes you and I filter out what I need for specific development blocks you'd be lucky to find two or three properties on the market at any Correct. one point in time. And that's saying something. Steve, let's move on to that final question we've always got. You've broached it before. What is the median house price? I think it's worth in this suburb giving us a house and a unit median house price. Yep. And then give us an answer on both of these. If you had that in your pocket, what would you do with it? Uh, well, the house is 1.13 mil and the unit price is 540000 if I had the 1.13, I'd go for the land component. Obviously, a lot of guys go for the dollars, future growth. Just get as a bigger block of land as you can. And for 1.13, because everything's come back the last few years, you can get something decent 
with that in South Perth. What sort of area? You can still get something close to those Angelo Street shops and Wesley around that area, but it's more likely to be a two-by-one or a three-by-one house. But that'll be on a 400 to 500 square metre block. So great location. For the 540, I'd really be urging people to buy a villa, single-storey villa, because with the ageing population, they were the ones that will give you the growth and they're easy to rent out, very sought after for rent and sale. So uh, apartments, that's more for the retirees and uh, that's more lifestyle choice really. Um, and with so many getting built in the future, I don't see too much upside growth-wise for apartments the next few years, to be honest. Steve, what an insight. Fantastic for, for an area where there is so much diversity and also so much opportunity and buzz and uh, spruiking. And it, it, it's good to have someone who I respect who is just getting it done and has been uh, getting it done for long, long enough to, to really be an authority on the area. So, Steve, thanks for coming in. I appreciate you giving us that insight into South Perth. Not many people will and do or, or have the experience, so thank you. And I hope to have you in again for an, an update sometime in the future where, where we've got something more exciting to say about South <laughs> Perth. Yeah, well, I think the future's okay. I think it's just normal real estate at the moment, but I think there's a bit of upside coming in the next few years. And yeah, happy to help anytime, Trent. Thanks Cheer, for having me. Cheers, Steve. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!